Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Fifty days after the holiday of Passover is the holiday of Shavuot. In a previous broadcast, I spoke about the transition from a purely agricultural festival to a uh, Chag, a holiday, which uh, celebrates the giving and receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. During that broadcast, I didn't have an opportunity to share with you, the listeners, the essential question of the events at Mount Sinai. What was Revelation? In the simplest form, Jews have always asked the question, is that revelation the revealed word of God? Now, for those who are fundamentalists, either in Jewish or Christian terms, the sacred text is always perceived to be the revealed word of God. And if taken literally, serves as the foundation, the constitution of their whole life. But as listeners of this show know, Judaism always is uh, welcoming interpretation. It's welcoming of questions and new answers. And questions such as, is the Torah the revealed word of God, pose the opportunity for many different kinds of answers. So this morning, I want to share with you the journey from the tradition to modernity as we struggle to understand the Torah and its revealed nature and the authority of the Torah. The Torah, the first five books of Moses, or as it sometimes is known as the Pentateuch, is of course one of the most cherished and revered books in the annals of literary history. If not the most revered, it has been intensely studied and interpreted for over 2,000 years, and it has served as the foundation for three major religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Today, Jews of all denominations and stripes and all ages continue to read it, study its text, and worship with it. It is considered holy. During the Shabbat morning and weekday services, it is kissed when it comes near. Blessings are recited before and after reading from it. It is beautifully ordained adorned, and it is stored in the holiest place within the Jewish community, the synagogue, and the Aron, the ark in which it is housed in the synagogue, is considered the holiest place within the synagogue. At many junctions in Jewish history, Jews were willing to put their lives on the line to protect it from desecration and destruction. And their steadfast commitment to its teachings has considered one of the keys to their very survival as a religious people. 
So why is this book assumed such importance and has been held in such high esteem? Well, the original answer, because it is regarded as a written record of God's revealed will, certainly answers the call. But in what way is the Torah a record of God's will? Did God reveal his will in the words of the text of the Torah that he then gave to human beings? Did he reveal his will in words that he then dictated to human beings? Did he reveal his will in words that were recorded by human beings according to human understanding? Or did he not reveal his will in words, but it served as the interpretation for human beings who interpreted God's will and recorded their interpretations in their own words? The significance of this question should not be underestimated. If God is perfect and every law in the Torah is the revealed word of God, then the laws of the Torah should be considered perfect, authoritative, and eternally applicable and relevant, despite the changing times and circumstances. If, on the other hand, part or all of the Torah is the product of human intervention, and the laws contained therein reflect the subjectivity and biases of its human author, then the authority behind the laws can be called into question. Changes and even the abolishment, the abolishment of these laws can be more easily introduced in accordance with changing times and circumstances. These questions are the essence of Jewish religious life. What is the basis for the authority of Torah? How do we understand the Torah's presence in our life? Let's begin, as we always do on Jewish faith and Jewish facts, with some Torah. And this morning, I want to begin in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, towards the end of the book. I'm going to share with you verse 9 forward. Moses wrote down this teaching. I'll read it in Hebrew. V'yichtov Moshe et ha-Torah azot. So the Hebrew uses the word Torah. The English translates it as teaching. V'yichtov Moshe et ha-Torah azot. V'yitna el ha-Kohanim b'nei Levi anisiim et Aaron. Brit Adonai ve'el ziknei Yisrael. And he wrote down this teaching and gave it to the priest, son of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to all the elders of Israel. And Moses instructed them as follows. Every seventh year, the year set for remission of the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place that God will choose, you shall read this teaching aloud in the presence of all Israel. Gather the people, men, women, children, and the strangers in your communities, that they may hear and so learn to revere God 
and to observe faithfully every word of this teaching. Their children, too, who have not had the experience, referring to Exodus and the desert, shall hear and learn to revere the Lord your God as long as they live in the land that you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. The end of that chapter. Verse 24. When Moses had put down in writing the words of this teaching to this very end, Moses charred the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant, saying, Take this book of teaching and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant and let it remain there as a witness against you. Well, I know how defiant and stickneff you are even now. While I live in your midst, you have been defiant toward the Lord. How much more when I am dead? Two very different usages. In one case, Moses says to them, he wrote down this teaching and instructs them. Let's go on. The book of Deuteronomy consists of farewell discourses and poems that Moses is said to have delivered to the people of Israel at the end of his life. In these discourses, he repeats many of the laws that were given earlier and that are found in other books of the Torah. He adds a few new ones, amends some others, and the emphasis, the importance of fulfilling them as required by the covenant with God. Toward the end of Deuteronomy, as I just shared with you, it is written that Moses wrote this Torah, which he then handed to the priests from the tribe of Levi and to the, all the elders of Israel. He then instructed the Levites who were responsible for carrying the Aron, the ark containing the two tablets in the desert, to take this Torah, this safer Torah, and place it beside. That's the Hebrew word. Although some think that it should be understood as inside the ark. The Sefer Torah of the Aron was to act as a witness against the Jews whenever they would violate the terms of the covenant outlined in it. Now, the terms Torah and Sefer Torah, as well as Aron, all evoke associations with the synagogue in which there is a Sefer Torah, a Torah scroll containing the Pentateuch, and an ark in which the Sefer Torah is stored. Perhaps we are to therefore understand the section from Deuteronomy that Moses recorded all the teachings that he had received from God in a book called Sefer Torah, that he stored it in the Aron, and that we too possess a copy of that exact same Sefer Torah which we store in the Aron of our local synagogues. Thus, our Sefer Torah is a copy of the original Sefer Torah that contained the word of God as revealed to Moshe. There are challenges to this conclusion, however. First, in verse 9, it is written that Moshe, Moses, wrote down this Torah. What exactly is the Torah referring to here? According to some, it is a reference to the whole Torah. 
according to others. It is a reference to a limited section from Deuteronomy, only with the word Torah better translated as teaching rather than the Torah in its completeness. It should not be surprising, therefore, that consistent with earlier translations, the Jewish publication translation that I shared with you this morning translates the term Sefer Torah in this context as the book of teaching. We would then ask the question, to what teaching does this text refer? The book of Deuteronomy is prefaced in chapter 1, verse 5, by the statement, Moshe undertook to expound this Torah. The term HaTorah, this Torah, appears at various points throughout the book, chapter 4, chapter 17, chapter 27, chapter 28. Thus, it seems reasonable to suggest that the term Torah and Sefer Torah, which appear at the end of the book, refer to the written record of all the teachings included within it. In other words, the Sefer Torah that Moshe wrote at the end of his life included all the teachings of the book of Deuteronomy. Verses 19, 20, and 30 of chapter 20, 31, referring to the writing of a Shirah poem that is recorded in chapter 20, 32. Thus, the Torah that was to be written in this context could be referring to the teachings of the poem. Complicated, I know, but stay with me. Furthermore, the claim that the entire Torah was written by Moshe in and of itself is problematic. How could he have been given a complete Sefer Torah to the Levites as described in this text when several subsequent events are recorded in the Sefer Torah? This is particularly problematic if we consider that the final chapter of the Torah describes his death. Did Moshe actually write about his own death? Could he have finished writing the Torah and then have more chapters afterward? And what exactly does the Torah mean when it states that Moshe wrote the Torah? From the biblical text, it is not clear if he was writing from memory, using his own words, or writing an exact transcript of God's revelation to him. Thus, the Torah may be interpreted to be a recording of Moses' personal understanding of God's will, but may not always be an accurate and objective reflection of God's original intent. We know the episode at Marah, in which God tells Moses to speak to the rock, and Moses hits the rock. There is a perfect example that Moses heard God's word in his own unique way. And in that sense, it couldn't be a reflection of Moses' writing down all of God's words, but rather an interpretation. While we may conclude that the Torah was written by Moshe based on the revealed word of God, From Deuteronomy, we may not conclude that the text itself is of divine origin, or that it is the literal word of God. What emerges from my analysis thus far is the following. If Moshe, at the end of his life, wrote the Torah, the Pentateuch, 
that we may conclude that the Torah is of Mosaic origin. Nevertheless, we cannot say with absolute certainty that his formulation of God's word was completely consistent with God's original intent. If the references to Torah in the Torah are more accurately translated as teachings than as Torah, then we cannot draw any conclusions at all from this text regarding the authorship of the Torah. And even if we accept the Torah's claim that the teachings contained therein were given by God through Moses on Mount Sinai as reflected in Leviticus 26.46, we cannot be certain that they were recorded in the exact manner by which they were transmitted to Moshe. All of us know the game in which you pass something down from one person to another, and the words are modified, changed, or the meaning is modified and changed. Well, what do we do with this? Let's move on in time. And I want to share with you from the Babylonian Talmud, teachings compiled in the 3rd through 6th centuries. The redaction takes place 100 years later. So it's taught in the Babylonian Talmud regarding the verse in Numbers 15, verse 31, because he has despised the word of God. The rabbis wrote, this refers to one who declares that the Torah is not from heaven. And even if he says that the whole Torah is from heaven, except for a specific verse that was authored not by the Holy One, blessed be he, but by Moses himself, he is included in the category of those for whom it is said because he has despised the word of God. And even if he maintains that the whole Torah is from heaven, except for one textual deduction, a specific amenore ad majestis deduction, or a certain textual analogy, he is still included in because he has despised the word of God. The rabbis here make a sweeping generalization about the Torah, maintaining that to suggest that even one verse or even one of the fine points of its interpretation as recorded by the rabbis are the products of Moses and not God is to despise God's word. They base their position on a verse in Numbers that describes the sin and the punishment of those who act in defiance of God. According to this interpretation, the verse includes those who defy God by denying his authorship of all of the Torah. Now, it may be worthwhile to make you aware that during the Torah reading service, the following verse is offered in almost every Jewish synagogue in the world. This is the Torah that Moses set before the people of Israel, dictated by God through Moses. This declaration at the precise moment when the Torah is lifted serves as a verbal affirmation 
that the Torah is the same as that which was originally dictated by God to Moses. Thus, this declaration seems to reflect a worldwide acceptance of the view outlined in the Talmud, which I just shared with you, regarding the divine authorship and authenticity of the entire Torah. But what is striking about this declaration offered whenever the Torah is read in the synagogue is that while the first part is a verbatim citation of Deuteronomy 4.44, the second part is a verbal citation from Numbers 29.23. What is the subject of each verse, and why does the Siddur combine these two biblical verses in this context? The first verse appears at the end of a lengthy discourse in which Moshe communicates many of the laws to the people on the plains of Moab in preparation for their imminent entry into the Promised Land. The verse speaks of the Torah that Moshe set before the Israelites. The word Torah, as it appears in Deuteronomy, can be understood as a reference either to sections of Deuteronomy, as I've already referred, or to the entire book of Deuteronomy, or to the entire Pentateuch. From the fact that the Jewish congregation is instructed to recite this verse when the Torah scroll is lifted, we can conclude that from the perspective of the prayer book, the word Torah in the verse refers to the entire Pentateuch. The problem, however, is that to proclaim this is the Torah that Moshe set before the people of Israel is to leave open the possibility that the Torah is of Mosaic and not divine origin. In an apparent effort to dismiss this possibility, the Torah employs a clever tactic. It adds a clause from another verse. Numbers 9 deals with the method by which the people were to traverse the wilderness. God is to lead the people through the wilderness, not by his voice command, but by his appointed sign. Cloud by day and a fire by night. When the cloud descended upon the Mishkan, the tabernacle, it was a sign that, from God that the people were to rest from their journey. This section, therefore, concludes on a sign from God they made camp, and on a sign from God they broke camp. They observed God's mandate at God's bidding through the hands of Moshe. That's a quote from Numbers 9. At God's bidding, his signs, the people were instructed to travel and then to rest. Thus, it's clear that this verse in Numbers has nothing to do with the authorship of the Torah within its context. Then, whenever the final verse of the phrase, Al Pi Adonai Biyad Moshe, is appended in the prayer book to the above verse from Deuteronomy, it is done so to give the expression to a critical belief about Torah. The Torah is not merely written by Moses, it was written by Moses al-Piadonai, through the medium of divine dictation. Thus, this brief declaration during the Torah service encapsulates three separate doctrines. Moses wrote the entire Torah, 
Moses wrote the entire Torah via divine dictation. And the Torah, the one that we possess today in the synagogue, is identical to the one dictated by God to Moses. According to tradition, God revealed himself to Moses, who wrote the entire Torah, according to the exact words God dictated to him. Since it is difficult to substantiate this claim through the biblical text, it should not be surprising that we find dissenting views among the rabbis. Listen to the last text today. This is also from the Talmud. It was previously stated by the master. Yehoshua wrote the book that bears his name and the final eight verses in the Torah. There is a section, an earlier section, that agrees with this opinion, that the final eight verses in the Torah were written by Yehoshua. So Moshe, the servant of God, died there. Could Moses have died and then written, so Moses died there? Rather, Moses wrote the Torah up until this point, and then Yehoshua wrote the rest. This is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, according to the others, of Rabbi Nachamya. Rabbi Shimon asked him, is it possible the Torah was missing even one letter when it was stated, take this book of the Torah from Deuteronomy? Rather, until here, the Holy One, blessed be he, dictated and Moses wrote. From this on, point on, from the death of Moses, God dictated and Moses wrote with tears. This rabbinic text addresses one of the problems raised earlier. How could Moses have written the entire Torah at the end of his life when the last section, eight verses of the Torah, describes his death? The Talmud resolves this problem by citing a tradition arguing that these last eight verses were not written by Moses, but by his successor, Yehoshua, Joshua. But Rabbi Shimon disagrees. He argues that the Torah could not have claimed that Moses wrote a Sefer Torah if a section was written by somebody else. He therefore solves this problem in a different manner. He argues that God dictated to Moses even the story of his own death, while the latter proceeded to record the story amidst tears of self-pity. Wow. You know, the story of how Jews understand the writing of the Torah, and how they wrestle with what it means to have divine revelation goes on and on and on. Throughout the centuries, rabbis have tried to imagine how we could inherit, inherit the words of God through others. And in each generation— there are individuals who spend time trying to teach us that when we use the words Torah is from heaven, it is about loyalty, not fact. Loyalty to God is different than trying to understand the factual nature of the revelation. When we use the word Torah is from heaven, it should be understood as an experiential claim, a description of the speaker's feeling about the Torah and its relationship to it. To put this in another way, when discussing the question of Torah from heaven and mitzvah, 
We need to decide which is the cart and which is the horse. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten wishing you a good day. You can hear a rebroadcast of our show on iTunes as a podcast or on the CHRI website. Shalom. Oh